Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, the Flames kick off a mini two-game homestand with a 2-1 setback against the Seattle Kraken here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we get things going. Our Flames Talk post-game show is underway from the Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills along with with us as well and uh hey they they, they pushed hard they ran into a, a really good goaltending performance from chris drieger especially in that third period after it was uh, 2-1 when alex wenberg scored the eventual game winner what we uh what we think tonight mick after the uh, flames had picked up points in five straight they've now dropped back-to-back games in regulation well for me a big one of the big takeaways was that first goal that they allowed against and knowing that the kraken are a team They love the stretch passes, and that's something that the Flames would have had in their pre-scouts. That's something that they try to capitalize on is catching teams off guard. And so that goal ended up really hurting the Flames in the end, giving up one like that really early and then I did think that they did a nice job in the offensive zone in terms of puck possession. There was a few uh, sort of bursts of, of energy and creativity in terms of their movement in the offensive zone and and what they were creating but just couldn't get one past Drieger but also just a a bit of a lull in terms of their play the pace that they were playing with they let Seattle kind of take over the game for a little bit towards the end of the second period uh, and early on in the third but uh, it was a good push a power play goal is a a positive the penalty kill was solid Uh, and thought Jacob Markstrom had a pretty good game as well so, uh, Flames fall in this game 2-1. One more game before they wrap up the calendar year of 2024. That'll come on Sunday, New Year's Eve, against the Philadelphia Flyers. As they'll try to snap this losing skid at 2. We're going to be joined by Connor Zeri here outside the Flames locker room very, very shortly. But, Wilsey, just uh, your thoughts as uh, what you saw out there tonight. Yeah, I thought the Flames, uh, even though they weren't perfect, they played well enough to win. I thought they were the better of the two teams from start to finish tonight, and they got goalied. I'm not sure I've said that about them this season because I feel like in their losses they maybe deserve to lose, and in their wins they deserve to to win. Tonight I thought they deserved to win, and and the other team's goalie was really good, and they lost. Uh, 2-1 the final score. Let's uh, bring in Flames forward Connor Zeri now, who is outside the locker room with some post-game reaction. Connor, what, uh, what did you think of this one for your group tonight? Yeah, it was obviously a, a tough outcome. I thought we played overall a pretty good game, a couple of blips here and there. But uh, overall, like I said, we, we played a good game. We, we played how we wanted to play for majority of the game, and I thought we were, we were kind of all over them for quite a bit and as substantial at times, and, and we just didn't quite capitalize on some of our chances. And I think that's the way she goes sometimes, but I think uh, just bear down a little bit. And uh, especially speaking for myself, there's a couple opportunities there I'd like to have back. And... Um, I think you take what we did positive and, and take that out of the game, but I think at the end of the day you didn't get the two points, so it's a tough one. You talk, you talk a little bit about bearing down. Is, is, that, a, is that a pretty easy thing to do in, in the next circumstance like this where maybe you've got a lot of zone time and, and you're getting a lot of opportunities? Yeah, 100%. I think when, when you get on in, in the zone, and especially in the offensive zone, you're moving, you've got a lot of motion, and, and you're creating things, and you're making plays, It's it's got to eventually come to the net and, and, and uh, 
especially uh, speaking for myself and and I know a lot of guys want to want to put the puck in the back of the net, but I think just getting to those opportunities where where you're making plays and you're, we're we're moving around with that motion offensive zone, but it's eventually coming to the net and where we're generating more scoring opportunities. Uh, what'd you make of of your line tonight? It felt like you, Nazem, and and Pospisil were in the offensive zone all night. Did it feel like that for you as well? Yeah, I thought overall we played pretty pretty good, and and we did have a lot of ozone time. And and I thought as a line we were we were clicking, and we were playing really well tonight. But I think like I said, when we get all that zone time, I think. It's uh, it's up to us now to, to try and generate goals off that and not just kind of play in zone. And a final question for you, Connor. Just overall, I know that this loss and the, the L.A. loss, not what the group was looking for, but just as you as you move towards a new calendar year, just how, how do you like the way that the overall team game is trending right now? Yeah, I think we're playing good hockey, and you can see that out there. I think we talked about it a little bit when we're, we're losing, when we lost our games, they're mostly all by one goal, and and we just got to find that extra little step to put us over the hump and, and find those goals, especially late in the game, to, to kind of uh, put us out ahead. So I think definitely our team over the last, say, two months even have, has been trending in the right way with a, a couple hiccups here and there. But overall, we, we, we have our game. We know how we have to play as a team. We know our identity, and we got to stick to that. And, and like I said, and I think like Huss talked about, it's those little little areas where you can grab one two percent better and 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 bear down and and find a, an extra goal and, and an extra little play that's going to help the team and, and and try and win the game connor thanks for doing this good luck on sunday against philly hey thank you very much appreciate it that is connor zary post game following a 2-1 setback against the seattle kraken we're underway on your flames talk post game show Derek wills megan mickelson my name is pat steinberg our uh, marquee matchup brought to you by country hills toyota was hey for the first time in a while wills he was one of those four-point games it was uh it was a game right now the the realistic path for a playoff spot if that's where the flames are going to be is is through the wild card and uh this is a big game against a team that they're fighting for uh, a wild card spot with they they don't win it just the second time ever they've lost to uh, seattle in the first time this season but that was one of those nights where the very least you wanted to see if you could push it to extra time they weren't uh, they weren't able to do that yeah, and as I said uh, earlier today, uh, I said it both on Flames Tech and on our pregame show, I'm less concerned with how many points out of a playoff spot that they are as opposed to how many teams are between them and that playoff spot. They came in tied points-wise with the Kraken, but had played one fewer game. And now that the Kraken win, I know they've got a game in hand on them, but that's one more team that you've got to climb over to get into one of the two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. And all of a sudden, the Flames are two points behind the Kraken, three points behind the Wild, four points behind the Blues, and five points behind the Coyotes and the Predators, who, with 38 points apiece, occupy the yep. first and second wildcard spots. So, you know, being five points out is one thing if you only have to catch one team, but when you've got a leapfrog four to get to one of those teams, that makes it harder. Let's uh, bring in goaltending coach Jason LaBarbera, who joins us right now following a 2-1 setback against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Barb, just uh, your thoughts. What uh, hard-fought one out there? Not a, not a whole lot of offense, obviously, with just the three. What uh, what did you make of this one tonight? I mean, you know, I thought we deserved better than, than than what we got. I think it was a tight game. I thought we did a lot of good things. You know, we, we had a tough time, I thought, getting to the inside and getting those higher-end scoring chances. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Dreger played well tonight for not playing for a long time. And, um, you know, coming off a three-day break, you never know how it's going to go. But, um, you know, I thought, I, thought, I thought we worked tonight and played with good structure and just didn't uh, find a way to win a game. 
Well, and speaking of Chris Dreger, hadn't played a game. Wilsey calculated the days and 605 days. I guess as a goaltender, uh, if you put yourself in his shoes or skates, uh, what would what would that be like? Like, kind of, what would your mindset be? Well, I, I don't even know if he was supposed to start tonight. To be honest, I, you know, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, in the morning with. Decord, I thought maybe I think if he got sick or something, I think he was supposed to start. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's almost easier when you just you just have to jump in. You don't have time to think about it. You just you just got to go play. And uh, the anxiety, you're not dealing with the anxiety of the whole day. It just uh, you can just jump in and play. So um, yeah, I mean that's. But when you don't play for a long time and 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 you know you're playing, <laughs> there's a lot of anxiety and you gotta yeah you definitely have to manage your emotions in that sense. Shot attempts favored the Flames, 74-49. Shots favored the Flames 37-21. But we just heard from Connor Zera, and he said, yeah, we had a lot of zone time, a lot of shots, but we've got to bear down. So as a guy who played the position and now coaches the position, what does that mean when a player says we have to bear down? Uh, what did that mean for you uh, when you played the position and uh, now that you coach it? I, I just think, like, you know, when you get your chances as a player, like, it's, it's you know, it's... it's uh, I mean, it's easy to say to bear down, and it's gonna, you know, you're gonna score to put it in the back of the net. I, th- I just think it's when you do get those chances, you have to take advantage of it. And um, sometimes, you know, maybe the puck comes in, and maybe you're not fully ready or engaged for that for that opportunity, or um, you know, you miss the net or or whatever reason, you know, or you you just shoot it right at the goalie and hits him in the chest, kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I think bearing down is just more like picking your spot, being more intense, you know, just exactly what it means just bury down and put the puck in the net uh we're chatting with jason labarbera flames uh goaltending coach with us following a 2-1 setback i mean i I guess you can look small picture i'd be curious your thoughts on on jacob tonight you know we've we've been very adamant that you know earlier in the year those save percentage numbers maybe didn't correlate with how well he was playing but now that save percentage number is starting to trend upwards again just how how impressed have you been with Jacob's work since he's come back? And and little picture, how impressed were you with him tonight? Yeah, I, I like where he's at. Uh, I think he's been real solid. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that you know we've been working on and talking about, he's really implemented into his game, and and he's been consistent with it, and that's been an important thing for him. And um, you can just see, you know, it's like anybody when you have confidence and you feel good about where you're at, uh, you know, you you play well and. It's frustrating as a goalie when you you know you feel like you have a solid game and you don't get the results, but um, you know you don't have control over a lot of things that happen you know away from what you're doing. So uh, you know I think he's 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 done he's done a good job, and we just got to keep sticking and sticking together and grinding away and and keep banging home those those habits that he's that he's developed over the last little bit. There's been a lot of talk, you know, from players and coaching staff as well, just that you, you like the way the group is trending and the way that you guys are playing that week to week you've, you know, built your game and gotten better. I guess, you know, in saying that, in trending in the right direction, what do you think is the next step for the group to get to that next level? I mean, as a group, I think, you know, the results obviously are, you know, scattered, I think. But, you know, as a group, the guys – I think are really buying into the structure part of what what we want to do. Uh, I think our work ethic's been really good most nights. Um, obviously, you know, with our group, we need everybody every single night. So it's getting some guys that have been, you know, struggling or or or, or whatnot to get them going too. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, when you're 
when you're on a team like this and you need it, you do, you need everybody every single night. And I think that's the, that's the, that's sort of the, the goal, I guess, is, is as we go along is, is to keep everybody going in the right direction. Jason, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think there have been times this season where the Flames have been way too static. And I know that the coaching staff has encouraged the guys to, to move around more. I think I saw you guys move around a lot tonight, both at five on five and on the power play. Did you see the same thing? Yeah, for sure. Especially in the Ozone. Uh, you know, I think that, that was one thing we've talked a lot about is, is, is moving more away from the puck. Now, sometimes it can, it can hurt you in the sense of, like, you don't have anybody at the net. So there's a balance there of, like, skating to open space and getting open, moving the puck around, not standing around waiting, uh, but also having that, the timing of having somebody at the net, guys coming downhill, et cetera. And I thought at times we, we did. We, we, we did move the puck well. Tonight, I just, there was times where I don't think we had enough guys at the net. I uh, hope you had a good Christmas and uh, happy early New Year. Thanks for doing this, yeah, Barb. Really appreciate guys. it, as always. Appreciate it. It's Jason LaBarbera, Flames goaltending coach, following a 2-1 setback against Seattle on this Wednesday night. First game after Christmas for the Flames. It's our Flames Talk postgame show live on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts as well. Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyons High. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, who are we going with tonight? Ooh. <sighs> Top one tonight. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, oh, no, he's going to ask me right away. I'm not <laughs> sure who I'm picking yet. Um, I'm going to go with Nazem Kadri. I mean, he, his, the he consistency. Was one of, he would have been the, the – I have, for the one I choose later on, it was him or somebody else. So okay. I'll go with the somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I just – the consistency in his work ethic, it just continues to be so impressive. And if you look at the goal that he scored, I mean, that's just a snapshot of the way that he plays the game. He always, he's working his tail off. Uh, he plays hard. He had six shots on net. He was great in the faceoff circle as well at 77%. Um, and I thought that he was one of the more dangerous players on the power play as yep. well. So Nazem Kadri gets my vote tonight. Just out of curiosity. Curiosity did kill, kill the cat. Was your other guy either Blake Coleman or Yergo Sharangovich? Nope, it's Martin oh. Pospisil. Oh, I liked Is him the, too. Yeah, he yeah. was good too. Uh, that line was just the, yeah. the best one from start to finish for the Flames tonight. So Nazem Kadri gets the nod as the hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. I just want to pick up on something that, that Jason LaBarber said. There was the one thing that I noticed and, and noticed as the game was going along is that is the Flames definitely swung the territorial game. They were just under 60% five-on-five possession in the final 40 minutes of play, over 55% in the um, in, in the overall game, and yet final high dangers uh, overall uh, at five-on-five were 11-8 Seattle. Wow. And, and even in that final 40 minutes of play, uh, they were 6-5 Seattle. So it just, it was one of those nights, and, and Barb's picked up on it. I, I did, the, the one thing that I give Seattle credit for, is they did a nice job taking away the middle, and Drieger's toughest work was, I think, clearing rebounds after stops he made was, was my observation. So just another area that I think the Flames 
Flames can pick up on and say going forward, something they can you know continue to work on is you like the territorial play, and next step is maybe being that next step more dangerous too. Yeah, they did protect the home plate area pretty well, although uh, there were some scrambles in front where yeah. I was trying to figure out how the puck didn't go in for the Flames, but uh, Drieger made some big saves and. You know, they did do a pretty good job clearing those second and third opportunities away. But I did like their their movement on the outside. Yeah. Maybe that was because, or at least uh, in part, because the Kraken were protecting the middle of the ice. But I, I did think they were a lot more fluid. They had some shifts where they looked more like the Harlem Globetrotters than the Calgary Flames in the offensive zone. But to your point, Pat, maybe that was the first step. And the next step is to make sure that with all of that movement, you've still got someone in front of the net, screening the goaltender, there to pick up rebounds and create those second and third opportunities. But... Uh, Again, you, you look for a silver lining, and you don't have to look hard in this game, yeah. but uh, I think a step in the right direction, but still some room for improvement. Yeah, I think for me it looked like they were trying to find the perfect play, uh, whereas in the past we've seen them, they've had really good ozone possession with movement where they have attacked the seams when the opportunities present themselves, and I I don't think they did that tonight because I think they were trying to look for that perfect pass and perfect play. Um, and as a result, when you're you're looking and you're trying to find that perfect play, then the, the seams close up and the opportunities are gone. Right. So I think that they just they didn't attack the seams. They didn't drive the puck to the net. They were looking for a nice, pretty play and pass. Um, and, you know, that's just not there in a in a game against the Seattle Kraken. Yep. Um, okay, uh, final score here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Flames fall 2-1 to the Seattle Kraken. It's, it's weird, guys. They just had a Christmas break, and yet this break coming up will probably be more restful. They'll practice, well, 100% it they'll will practice be. a couple times, <laughs> then they'll get Saturday off. It looks like they play Sunday against the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, this feels like maybe more of a break than the last break just was. Uh, nonetheless, Philly's up next. Uh, that's the New Year's Eve game, and uh, we'll see if the Flames can snap this losing skid at two. Let's get some final thoughts from you two before we hear from head coach Ryan Huska, uh, starting with Megan Mickelson. Yeah, for me, it was, you know, their start in allowing that goal on the, the breakaway stretch pass. So I think that, you know, in the, the next game against Philadelphia, they need to come out a lot stronger and a lot better uh, in terms of their start. Uh, and then, you know, just what Connor Zary and what we just talked about in terms of the offensive zone, they need to find ways to get to the middle of the ice to be more dangerous and to make life harder on other teams' goaltenders. Yes, Dreeter played a really good game, but I think the Flames made it pretty easy on him as well and that he saw the pucks he saw the shots uh, and that he was able to get square up to them so I think that you know those would be the two two big takeaways for me and that you need to have a better start and you need to find a way to create more dangerous scoring opportunities and capitalize on them I gotta tell you I feel for Jonathan Huberto I mean the guy keeps on trying he's been a great teammate he hasn't pouted or sulked he just continues to try to fight through this offensive funk that he's in and you know his long goalless and pointless streaks get stretched another game tonight uh but not for a lack of trying how many times in the first especially in the first half of the hockey game he made four or five or six plays that left us 
shaking our head up in the Peter Marr radio broadcast booth, sponsored by South Point Toyota. But, like, just incredible passes that only a handful of players in this league have the ability to make and just no finish. And it feels like if you can have uh, a game where some of those go in, it might get them going. But uh, that, in a nutshell, was kind of what happened to the Flames tonight. It was a game of missed opportunities, 37 shots, 74 shot attempts, and Chris Drieger looked like Patrick Wan is prime tonight, uh, partly because he was really good playing in his first NHL game in 605 days, but also, as we've talked about, partly because the Flames, even though they did a lot of good things, uh, just uh, they have to tighten a few things up uh, in all three zones. But in the offensive zone, I, I think what that means is creating a bit more chaos in front of the goaltender, getting guys to the net, and as Connor Zeri said, bearing down on the scoring chances that they're creating. And again, as we've talked about, when you start the season 2-7-1 and one in your first 10, you're not going to leave yourself with much room for error. And if the Flames were comfortably in a playoff spot, I think we would feel differently about this game than we probably do because right. it was a proverbial four-pointer against a team that you were trying to keep below you in the playoff race, and now they're two points above you in the Western Conference wildcard race. So, you know, the process was good in, in most areas tonight. The result wasn't, and the Flames have one game left in 2023 to try to set the table and set the tone for 2024. And for a month of January where... On paper, it looks like they got quite a few winnable games, but uh, you'd love to go into the new year with a win, so we'll see if they can get one on New Year's Eve uh, against the Flyers. Another big takeaway that I forgot to mention, and we chatted yeah. about it really quickly with Kelly Rudy before we came down here, was there were way too many turnovers. And if the Flames turn the puck over that many times against really good, really good hockey teams then they're going to make them pay so they need to eliminate the turnovers as well thank you friends we'll uh see you later this week hey thanks pat night, megan pat. mickelson and Derek wills signing off on this wednesday night flames fall 2-1 in this game against the seattle kraken here at the scotia bank saddle dome phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 text line is open at 960-960 as uh, the flames will continue this mini and wrap up this mini two-game homestand sunday against the philadelphia flyers let's hear from head coach ryan huska right now Post game following tonight's setback against Seattle. Coach, how would you assess that one? Um, disappointing. I felt we deserved better tonight. We carried the play for a lot of it. We just um, didn't make good on some of the chances that we did have. Yeah. Is there a sloppy element to it too because of the days off? Or you know, I don't. I don't think there was a ton of it. No, I mean there are some plays for sure, some missed passes that went for icings, things like that. But. Um, for our game, for the most part, possession-wise, we had the puck for a lot of the night, and I thought we did a lot of good things. The one area we can get better at is getting people through and around the net to try to make some of those saves a little bit more difficult. But no, I wouldn't put it in that sloppy category for a game that can be. It's a tough. This is a tough game at times. Jacqueline mentioned there was a lot of passing and maybe not enough shooting. Yep. Do you agree with that assessment? Um, yeah, there there were certain opportunities where I think we could have shot. Um, when we still made that secondary pass. Uh, I, I think for me it was more about m maybe getting people around their goaltender a little bit more than we did. So some of the shots that we took from distance, um, they're easier saves for a goaltender. And yes, we were able to get the puck back again, but um, you know, if they're seeing shots, they're going to make saves like that. So he made a couple great saves on us tonight, um, but we didn't find a way to get enough past him. What did you make of your power play tonight? 
it was better again. I mean, it had stretches where it looked good. It was dangerous. They had a chance to score a second one where their goaltender made a great save on it. Um, so it's three games in a row now. It scored a power play goal. So that's a step in the right direction. Is there something different in the execution? How would you explain why there's been this little bit of success on the power play? The I think the games? execution's been better. I think they're doing things with some more pace, whether that's coming up the ice uh, on entry or in zone. And I still think we can get a little quicker in that area. But um, there's key times of the game. That's the one frustrating part, like the start of the third period there. We have that power play opportunity where we, we could take a lead with that one um, and we didn't have a that was probably our worst power play of the night but as I mentioned earlier it's it's going in the right direction have you seen signs like with three and three games have you seen signs that they're starting to feel better about it um, as, a, as a power play unit like are they yeah are you seeing a little more for sure yeah for sure absolutely yep what did you make of uh, Walker Jory's first game in a while? I think he did a. I think he did a good job tonight. He had the shot block in the first period. He used some speed wide again, so he gave us the not a ton of minutes, but he did a good job with his minutes. When it comes to the power play, is that something Cadre was sort of saying? Special teams can be a funny thing where you know momentum and confidence do yeah. do matter. Is that, is that how you see it? Uh, special teams is typically all momentum, and usually they're what's win what wins you or loses you games most nights. Um, so it's nice that we're starting to score on ours, and our, our penalty kill did a good job again tonight. But like I said, there's whatever we had 37 shots, and I'm not sure how many chances we ended up with. We had some good opportunities that we just didn't finish on. Seattle's one of the handful of teams chasing a wild card spot, along with you guys. Does losing to them tonight kind of add more weight to the loss? Uh, yeah, it sucks for sure. Even at this point of the year, I mean, we're not in a position that we want to be in right now. So all these games for us matter. Ryan, I'm not expecting you to throw your goalie under the bus, but it's like two games in a row where the first shot goes in, and I appreciate it was a breakaway. Yeah. But are those things are. You know, we always talk about things that got to get cleaned up. Yeah. That seems to be a bit of a recurring theme, these early, early goals allowed. What do you do to sort of stem that tide? Well, tonight we had an odd man rush situation going the other way, and they end up with a breakaway off a good play from their guy. So sometimes that's the way it works. You know, we had four guys up in the rush, and we had a chance to generate off that. And um, with the D-man up, if you're not aware of where people are leaving out of the zone, that's what happens. As a coach, there aren't that many opportunities where you have a couple days off in a row to practice during the season. I mean, what what is this opportunity? How important is this opportunity for you? Uh, it's good for us, for sure. They've had a little bit of a break, so a couple days isn't a lot for these guys. So it'll be um, a couple days where we can reinforce some things and, and work on some more of that speed execution stuff we need to see. Given the, the statistical struggles of both Hero and Manjapani, have you thought about reuniting that Backlund, Coleman, Manjapani line that has been really effective in the uh, past? We, we talk about line combinations every day. Uh, every day. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game following a 2-1 setback against the Seattle Kraken. Okay, phone lines are open. Call now, 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you on this Wednesday night. We can chat all things Flames, get the text line going, get more trips inside that Flames locker room, and a whole lot more. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Flames Talk podcast, Flames Talk postgame is uh, available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Take a break, come back with more this is calgary flames hockey on sportsnet 960 the fan the flames talk post game show continues from the tot stove lounge on sportsnet 960 the fan 
All right, Flames fall 2-1 to Seattle to kick off their post-Christmas schedule. Our Flames Talk post-game show continues. It's Pat Steinberg along with you with the phone lines open at 403-240-4444. If you want to call, do so now. Text lines open at 969-960. Got lots of text to get to as this evening's program continues. Pat Steinberg along with you from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames Talk podcast and our Flames Talk post-game is available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and more. Let's uh, listen into tonight's save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Another start for Jacob Markstrom and his save tonight. Save of the game comes in period number one. Wenberg who weaves his way in and leaves it right wing side. Bjorkstrand drops to Dunn. Plays it far side over to McCann. McCann to Dunn. Bjorkstrand with a shot that just misses. Rebound. McCann thought he had Markstrom beat but somehow the Flames goaltender keeps the puck out. That's one of the 20 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and uh, that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Sorry, let's try that again. It's one of the 19 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Is uh, I thought, again, Jacob continues to give this team uh, an opportunity to win. I know people are going to be talking about well, it was another um, it was another first shot goal that was let in. Y- yep, that you could talk about that, but you could also talk about how I'm not quite sure what Noah Hannafin was doing down that low on that opportunity, and then all of a sudden there's a clean breakaway for Kyler Yamamoto. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't a first shot goal. I'm just saying if you're going to put this one squarely on Jacob Markstrom, like I know the text line loves to do, and like the text line's already doing. I'm probably going to push back on that one tonight. I thought that he was very strong and uh, has been really, really good all season, but has been really, really strong since uh, coming back and and returning from that fractured finger. So uh, he remains at a 904 save percentage. Uh, He made 19 on 21 tonight. I I think that he's clearly been the best goaltender on on the team this year, and and I think he's taken a significant step from where he was last year. Let's uh, go back inside the Flames locker room before we hit the phone lines and the text line for the first time tonight. Let's hear from the captain, Michael Backlund, postgame following a 2-1 loss to the Kraken. Michael, what would uh, your assessment of that one be after a couple of few days off to get back into it? What do you think? Um, yeah, you can tell both teams come out of a break. Uh, wasn't as sharp as we uh, usually are, and um, pace on both teams, I think, too, was maybe not uh, you know top end shell standard. And uh, in the third, it picked up a little bit, um, being a tight game, and we've been down pushing it for it. Um, Overall, uh, we know we can be better, <coughs> and uh, yeah, we had some looks, and at times we were we weren't direct enough. We were passing around a little too much. Is it a little bit like last year's games where you pushing, pushing, but just couldn't get that goal? Nah, we moved on from that. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, almost new calendar year too, so definitely moved on. So uh, yeah, no, I just felt like we weren't. Uh, you know, we had some looks and we had some shots, but I thought at times we were passing instead of shooting and. Um, I think um, uh, the game was up for grabs and they got a goal and yeah um, we know we can score goals we've done we've won games by scoring teams and 
our defending team, so uh, we can win both ways, and we know we will. Michael, how big a role did Chris Krieger play and you guys not being able to go in more than once? Yeah, he had a good game. Um, yeah, he gave me some big saves, and uh, um, but yeah, at times uh, we tried to be a little too pretty and made it easy on him at times too, but you know, he came out big for them a few times. Seattle's a team you're level, you enter in today's game, you were level with on points for that wild card spot. How much more does this loss hurt more knowing that it comes against a team that's fighting for the same thing that you guys are? Yeah, I know it's tough. Um, it's not what we wanted. We talked about it in the morning, uh, how big a game it was, and uh, like you said, how close it is to the wild card race, and we want to you know, climb up there and be in the, the wild card spot. So, um, you know, we got some time now to uh, have some good practices, regroup, and uh, one more game for this calendar year. Am I crazy that that might be a game that you you can move on from pretty quickly? Though I mean, it's not like the performance was particularly like they, they didn't outplay you. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was a bad game, uh, but I don't think either team was had the top game, and um, yeah, I thought we had uh, we were a little better, but it doesn't matter. We lost, and it is uh, it's like we said, tough tough game to lose with the rivalry. Um, divisional opponent and uh, with the tight race we're in. Michael, you, you talked about this a little bit post-game in LA, but this group has worked so hard on several occasions to get back to 500 and, and then kind of slid backwards a little bit. Has that started to kind of grind on this group? No, I think, you know, obviously right now the mood's not top, but you know, we'll come in tomorrow ready to work again and we'll uh, keep pushing ourselves and, uh, you know, to get over that hump, get over that 500 mark and push yourselves uh, into a wildcard spot. There's Michael Backlund postgame following a 2-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken here on this Wednesday night. Text line, let's get there right now, 960-960. I think you've heard a lot of the same things, by the way, so far. I mean, you've heard from when Jason LaBarber joined us live here. Uh, Connor Zeri joined us a little earlier live. We've heard from Michael Backlund. We've heard from Ryan Huska. And, and I think the, the main things are they played pretty decent, played well. Uh, they did some good things, but need to do a better job of, of making life difficult on, on an opposing goaltender and that was that was kind of my main takeaway I, I liked a lot of what we saw from the flames tonight but I just I didn't feel like they made life difficult enough on a goaltender who hasn't played in almost two years at this level in Chris Drieger and I thought Drieger looked good don't get me wrong he was very very dialed um, and, and I thought it a really good game running on adrenaline probably but I just felt like there was more the Flames could do to get to the middle, more the Flames could do to make his life difficult, more traffic in front, um, and and more pucks from higher quality areas. That being said, I don't think it was a poor game from the Flames. The Kadri line was great all night. That was Pospisil's best game in a long time. Kadri continues to be really, really good. So definitely some positives. I just that that was the one thing that I, I took away. And, you know, I, I think it was Eric Francis who asked Michael Backlund there about did it feel kind of like last year? That felt a little bit like some of the games that plagued them last year where they had tons of time on the attack, tons of zone time, but made an opposing goaltender maybe look just a little bit too good because of, of the difficulty of, of turning some of that zone time into the highest of highest end opportunities. Okay, to the text line we go, starting with Dylan in Revelstoke. This just in. Flames make a goalie who hasn't played in almost two years look like prime Brent Cron. I mean prime Mika Kiprasov. Chalk a big four-point game up to Team Tank. Happy holidays, Steinberg. You're a beaut. That comes from Dylan in Revelstoke. Um, yeah, my um, <clears throat> I, my voice is is definitely fighting it. I uh, 
I apologize for that. I'll do my best to stay hydrated as the uh, post-game show continues. Yes, I, I get what you're getting at. And I think Prime Brent Cron was pretty good, too. Um, in the American League, he was awesome. Uh, this from Scotty and Victoria. Here we go again, Pat. Goal on the first shot. Yes, not necessarily Markstrom's fault, as it was a breakaway, but still. And 37 shots and one goal for the Flames. Are you kidding me? Why can't they bury these shots? Burn it down and rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it. What are we waiting for? The kids are doing great and adding excitement. Uh, they don't need these deadweight contracts who don't want to be here and adding nothing. Sal Hannafin and Lindholm keep Tanev. That comes from Scotty in Victoria. This from uh, Ash, who says, devastating loss that I felt the Flames deserved to win. I'm curious to know your thoughts on playing Zeri at center with Huberdeau. Uh, Ash, I don't like that. I think it's, and, and, and I understand the thinking. I just would be a little leery, a little wary of putting Zeri down the middle as a rookie. I, I'd like to... I'd like to continue building him up as a winger for the time being. He's played center before, and I'm not writing it out of the equation long term. I just think right now having Zeri down the middle might be a little bit too much for him. I think it's something they could explore in a few years, but right now I think him on the wing is the way to go. That being said, I know that not everybody's on board with that, but the way Kadri's playing, the way Zeri's playing, the creativity and dynamic nature of both, I still think putting Huberdeau, who now hasn't had a point in 12 straight games and hasn't scored a goal in 17 straight games, I think putting Huberdeau with your game-in, game-out, two most dangerous forwards, there's something to that. I know I know that uh, Wilsey and Mick, on the other hand, are more partial to going Huberdeau with Lindholm and Sharon Govich, which I think there's a lot of wisdom on that. And, and if you're not as big a fan of putting Huberdeau on the cadre line with Zeri, maybe that's something you do. I just think this has to stop at some point. This is... Last year was a nightmare, and this year is trending worse in terms of the storylines for Jonathan. And I think that, you know, the narrative stopping is huge for us because we get sick of talking about it, but it's also huge for Jonathan. He knows how long it's been since he's recorded a point, and I think just for his psyche, it'd be huge if, if something could get going, if he could start with one, get a second assist on an empty netter, but just to, to snap the skid. But, yeah, I do think, and not to say that I think that that line's been poor with Coleman and Backlund, I just think there are other things you can do, and their five-on-five five game has, from a, a dangerous nature, has, has been a little flatter the last two games against L.A. And, and this one against Seattle, so maybe this is the time to juggle it up or rethink some of the combinations out there. This one from Joel in Cranston says, Pat, tonight's headline, another Calgary goalie product stumps the Flames. Is that four Calgary goalies that have come in here and beat them lately? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but th this one definitely did. I know that uh, Aiden Hill had a pretty good game against them. And there's, there's Logan Thompson had a pretty good game against them. Uh, they, 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 yes, they've had some... 
Calgary goalies who have uh, definitely come in here and, and had some good work. This one from Alex who writes, uh, the Flames have to start exploring more options with trying to get Huberdeau going. It seems like the Flames are simply content with just letting him be on that line with Backlund and Coleman. I'm not talking about blowing up the lines, but Manchapani's struggling. Also, why not swap him and Huberdeau? You're most likely stuck with Huberdeau at least until year six or seven before even considering a buyout, so might as well try as many scenarios as possible. What is there to lose? Just put him out there in every situation, play him 20 to 22 minutes a night, and for God's sake, put him out there with the goalie pulled with one minute remaining in the game. He is the highest paid player. One note on Markstrom, and sure he's given the team a chance to win every night so far this season, and I think it's partially because the Flames are able to score a little more, but since Markstrom's been with the Flames, his stats are as follows, 904, 922, 892, and now a sub-900 in 23-24 so far. And we as a fan base... Are we expecting too much of him? He had his best years in Vancouver, and besides the outlier, he's been a below-average starter in this league. Well, Alex, that's that's not quite true. He's at 904 right now, so he's not a sub-900. I, I actually think he's been quite solid for him this year. I thought he was quite solid for him in this game. Yes, the, the outlier of the Vezna Trophy runner-up year, I, I don't think we're going to see that type of year again, but I, I think he's bounced back fairly substantially, in in my opinion, from what we saw from him last year. I, I don't think he is a below-average starter, and the other thing is go take a look at league average save percentage. It's way down again. It has steadily gone down the last six, seven years. So Markstrom's 904, is it elite? No. Is he giving them Vesda Trophy goaltending right now? No, no, I'm not suggesting that. I just think he's a little bit better than what, Alex, you're suggesting right there. As for the Huberdeau stuff, yeah, I'm, if you want to swap Huberdeau and Manchapani, I'm all for it. If you want to try Huberdeau on the line with Kadri, I'm all for it. Like, I am all for anything trying to get this guy going right now, and, and I really want to see it. And, and he had a couple of, you know, really nice passes in the first, uh, first period in this game one or two in the second period as well. I would love to see it. I really would. And the guy is, there's no lack of try. There's no lack of effort there. It is just not going for him right now. Um, This says, um, Ed, uh, two goals short tonight, uh, number 28, and I don't know who that is. I'm not quite sure what number that's supposed to be because that number doesn't... I believe that Rhett Warner's the last guy who wore that number, I think. Um, So Lindholm never gives 100% knowing... Oh, I think he's talking about 55. There we go. Uh, Lindholm and Hannafin never give 100% knowing their uh, imminent departures. Two goals short, no offense to them. Want to leave Calgary, their passengers. Is DeBrusque still available from Boston? He might be. I think you're looking for a little bit more than that, though, from the Bruins. I think... I don't think DeBrusque would be a bad person to acquire as part of a trade, but I would be looking at DeBrusque at the age now. I think he's 27. I would not be looking at him as a principal part of a package involving either Lindholm or Hannafin. I think you need younger players, picks, prospects. If you want to throw 
DeBrusque in to help the money work and to give them an NHL body in return? Sure. I just don't think that should be one of the principal returns you're looking for if you're the Flames. Uh, Calgary Al says Markstrom has to get out of his head the beginning of games and get past the first five shots. It's killing us. I didn't see the same level of urgency that we usually see in the third. Uh, We should be winning these games. Markstrom put them in the hole, and they weren't really able to get out of it. Frustrating hockey to watch. Al, what do you mean? How did Markstrom put them in the hole? He didn't make a breakaway save. Sure. Did we watch what led to the breakaway, though? And I'm not suggesting that we should be pinning it all on Hannafin or pinning it all on anybody else. All I'm saying is that it is ridiculous to sit here and text me that Markstrom let them down and he's the reason they won this hockey game because Yamamoto scored in a breakaway on a break. Like, it's a breakaway. More often than not, the, the guy scores. I, I don't... I don't understand how Markstrom let them down. I just I think that's a really poor take, and and you miss a lot of context. Was it the first shot? Yes. Was it poorly timed? Yes. Would you have loved to save? Yes. Do we put that one? Do we put this game solely on Markstrom because he didn't start a clear cut breakaway after a really really rough read in the offensive zone? Well, I don't think so. Um, what else we got here? If you're 30 and up and they can get pieces that can help the team's future, it's a no-brainer. You have to make that trade. Markstrom was not the reason they lost, but I'd move him if possible. Let's get a pick in the top five in this up-and-coming draft. Uh, there you go. That's just a little bit on the text line tonight at 960-960. We'll get back there very shortly, but right now, let's head to the phone lines at 403-240-4444. Flames fall 2-1 to the Seattle Kraken tonight. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are kicking it off on our Flames Talk phone lines tonight by saying hello to George. What's going on, George? Not much, Patty. How you doing tonight, pal? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I hope you had a good Christmas. Yeah, it was good. Short, but good. Awesome. Good to hear. Yeah, sharp. Yeah, sharp but good. Same with me, my man. Awesome, awesome to hear. So, according to multiple sources, uh, Elias Lindholm is apparently still asking for nine million a year over eight years. And uh, my one question is: Are he and his agent completely out of their minds? <laughs> because I don't even honestly, know. Like, can you? Can somebody? Can somebody tell me what the update was on that? And I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody, but can somebody tell me what the update was there? <clears throat> Flames and Lindholm, yeah, well, not like there. W- there was no update there. Yeah, no, true. But like, I, I think I saw it on NHL Network here in the states, where basically he's sticking to his guns at nine million a year. And I get that. Like I just far apart. It's kind of where things have been for a while here. From his... Yeah, but my, my 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 question is, or my point is that, and this this is my opinion, I guess. I didn't think he was worth that at the beginning of the year before he stepped on the ice this year. Now, he's, in my opinion, he's probably having his worst year, worst year as a flame, and that guy's still sticking to like nine million a year, like. Oh. I don't know. Like, I don't know I'm if that. Sorry, I don't know if that is necessarily true. I mean, is the offense down? Sure, he's still doing a ton of heavy lifting, defending. So it's not like he's been poor for them. It's not like he's been a poor hockey player. But the offensive numbers sure, are definitely been. down. And 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 the only thing that I would suggest is that I think what you're talking about now is yeah, 
he's firm on what it would take for him to stay in Calgary because I think it feels like the ship has sailed and this one's probably going to go in the direction of of a trade. And I think the Lindholm camp is aware of that. And, and I think that the Flames are, are very aware of where this thing is going. So I think that's why maybe it's a little bit more of a stalemate right now. But again, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to throw shade at where the report came from because that's it's, it's fair reporting. I'm just you know I, I just what was the update there is all I'm asking. No, true, but it's just I don't know if that's true and if he like if he still thinks he's a nine like a I guess nine what million. I'm saying I guess what I'm saying to you, George, is that if he gets traded to Colorado, I don't think he's going to be adamant on taking nine million from Colorado. That's that's the point yeah, I, I see make. where you're coming from. And let's be realistic. No matter where he goes in free agency this year, uh, unless his play dramatically like swings the other way, I don't see any team giving him that kind of contract. And if they do, then they're making a mistake, in my opinion. Probably so not. That's kind of where I would Probably go with that. Not. Yeah. But yeah. again, so he's still he's still doing a lot to help the team, and he will definitely be a really good fit on a team that that ends up acquiring him if that's the way this thing goes. I mean, a a team acquiring Elias Lindholm is looking at him as their number two center. And I think, you know, whether it's Colorado in the role that Kadri played when they won cups or it's Boston or it's it's any other team that we're talking about, Dallas, there's lots of teams that, that you could point to. You know, they're looking at him to come in and be their number two center. And I think he's going to be a really good fit in that role. And, and I think that, you know, there's going to be a little bit less of – Oh boy! Like I, I think Lindholm's numbers will be significantly higher if he's playing in that type of role. Yeah, I can. I agree with you on that, and especially like for example, a team like Colorado, where it seems like that's honestly like the best match. I feel anyway, and I think if he's a number two center behind a player like McKinnon, I think that's a perfect role for him. So, like, I agree with you there. I just, I, but like I said, when you talk about money and contracts, you. It's just, what have you done for me lately, right? And like, I'm not disputing his defensive game. His defensive game's been solid; it always has been. But when you're when you're when you're expecting or, or requesting numbers like that, like that's what highly offensive players get paid. Not you know two A players who get forty to fifty points on average. That's that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, but he doesn't get forty to fifty points on average. He gets closer to. You know, sixty to seventy is more what what he is. Yeah, I just think you're shortchanging Lindholm a little bit to make your point. Is all I'm saying. I, I maybe because he. You have to admit this. This year he hasn't like. He's yes, the off, offensive he numbers are down, George. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. I mean, he would have been. He had seventy eight. He would have been over sixty if there wasn't COVID. He would have been well over sixty and in the seventy range in the if there was eighty two games when they played fifty six. Then he had eighty two last year. He had sixty four. So we're probably talking about him annually being sixty to seventy. I think it's a little like that. That's that's a really unfair statement to say he's a forty to fifty point guy annually. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, okay, there there you have a point. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, you're right there. Uh, speaking of players that are looking kind of futile, I don't know what is going on the Manjapani and Dubé this year. They look like shells of, shells of themselves. And I, honestly, like, m- more often than not right now, watching them play is painful. And, and those were two guys I remember saying at the beginning of the year, like, those are guys that need to have bounce-back seasons. Well, not, not Dubé. Dubé had a good season last year. But Dubé had to continue 
and build upon what he did last year. And Manjapane had to have a bounce-back season. And on Manjapane's part, that hasn't happened. And Dubé's regressed. So that's a little concerning because their younger players, and let's be honest, if this team goes in a younger direction, now all of a sudden those guys are part of that core, I guess, unless they, you know, unless they get moved. So that's, that's a little scary. And honestly, for all the talk, we t- all the things we say about Huberto and like Lindholm kind of not putting up the numbers he's used to be putting up, like Manjapane and Dubé playing the way they're playing is really hurting this team too. Yeah, it's um, and and you know on the the Dubé front, he's coming off a career season last year. Um, yeah, it's it's why you know Wes and I talked about this on Flames Talk earlier on on Wednesday. Just yes, is is Huberto a guy that is not pulling the type of weight that was expected of him and that the Flames need of him? Of course, but he's not the only one and there are there are other players on this team who they also need more from going into the new year yeah 100 percent. and then you always you always seem to give me the perfect segue because we're going to talk about the most uh talked about player in town right now and that is huberto as to finish off here uh, look i'm not at all saying that this is acceptable by any means but at what point do we consider this another write-off here for jonathan huberto and i hate to say it like that but like at what it feels like it's just not going to happen again this year. You know, it really feels like that. And I'm not even trying to personally disparage the guy at this point, but it just feels like that, that plane can't get off the runway. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't scored a point in, in 12 straight games. Um, I don't even know what he'd be on pace for at this point. He's uh, at 15 points in 35 games now. Um, times 82 it's on pace for 35 points uh, so 35 yeah, I mean, oh my god I I, I, I think at, at what point do we consider it a write-off I, I don't know what the answer is to that but uh, I, I think that we're already in the territory of this being a really difficult season for him but are you you just saying that 35 points on pace to be on 35 points that felt like a kick right between the legs, my friend. Ooh, but I don't know, man. It feels that way. We'll, we'll see. I don't know what. It's like we've said it a thousand times, but it needs to be said again. I don't know what they need to do to help turn turn it around for this guy. But at this point, you got to exhaust all options, I guess, because whether you like it or not, you're stuck with him for seven years. You can't buy the contract out. At this point, you can't trade him without giving up a ridiculous amount of assets. And even then, it might not be possible. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the situation yep. the Flames are in with this guy right now. But we'll see. In the event that I don't speak to you on New Year's Eve, my friend, I do wish you a happy New Year. Um, and yeah, but if we do, then I guess I'll double like the Christmas thing. I'll double down, which doubling down is never good. So you'll get it twice. All right, uh, never bad. Doubling down is never bad, is what I say. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to right, you man. soon. Have a great night. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames fall by a 2-1 score to the Seattle Kraken this evening. Give us a call if you want to chat as uh, the Flames will finish off their 2023 schedule on Sunday, New Year's Eve, when they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's say hello to Parsons. What's going on, Parsons? Hey, brother. Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas, man. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we just don't have the horses on this team, obviously. Uh, I definitely have to echo George's sentiments on uh, 
Lindholm and what the ask is there because I I didn't I never thought that this guy's a nine million uh, year guy um, at all even before the season started so now it's just looking worse so I think the Flames kind of dodged a bullet there with uh, you know putting things on hold in terms of contract talks and whatnot or I, I'm not sure where that's at Pat like I don't know if it's one side holding out or or they both put the brakes on it. Well, the, the flames, the flames still, the flames still are um, very much in wait and see mode themselves, and and so they <laughs> they've put things on hold. I think the the agents and the the players can't. Everybody's in wait and see mode right now. All right. You know, one thing that interests me about this club is that, you know, it seems to me like we lose a lot of players who. Like, I'll, I'll give Toffoli as an example who, you know, they don't get re-signed long-term, so they ask for a trade and go out elsewhere and most likely probably won't sign a long-term contract in Jersey as well. Like, it, it seems like, you know, this team is kind of used as a country club sometimes, you know, where, yeah, you know, as long as you give me a lot of money, I'll, I'll be part of this team, but it there's no... There's no soldiers here. I mean, there's a few. You got the Coleman's and stuff like that, but you know, you got you got guys like Zari who are doing things on the ice that Huberto should be doing. You know, he slows down the play. He's an awesome player. Um, I don't understand what it is. I don't know if it's a Canadian market thing, Pat. But why is it that we can't get guys who want to win here? Um, I don't really know how to answer that one. Um, because I think that they, I think that they do have some of those guys. We have a few. We but have at the a couple, same yeah. time, you know, I think you want to talk about soldiers. I think Coleman's a good example. I think Uyghur's got that in him. I think Rasmus Anderson's got that in them. In him, you know, I think Michael Backlund is is a guy that you'd point to as as a as a soldier for sure, just in terms of the the time that he's put in. Uh, I think Jacob Jacob Markstrom is a guy who only cares about winning, um, and and Chris Tanev the same way. They both signed here in free agency, so I I, I don't know. Like, I do I do think you make a decent point in that there are certainly sometimes situations where players say, yeah, I'll stay here if, and, and maybe the ifs are a little bit larger than maybe in other markets. And I think that comes from a few things. It's one of the smallest markets in the NHL. It's a Canadian market. I think both those things play into it. I don't think that every player is super keen on, playing in Canadian markets due to the increased scrutiny and pressure that go into it. I also think that, um, you know, it, it being a, a smaller market, sometimes, look, it's it's for better or worse, Calgary is not New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago or South Florida, or it's it's just that's that's not what Calgary is, and, and some people love it. You know, Blake Coleman decided to sign here because he thought it was a great place to raise a family and, and wanted to put down roots here, and, and Tanev and Markstrom signed here. And and some guys, so you know what I'm saying? Like I, yeah, I do think that you make a point, but I also think that they have been able to find some of those players at the same time. 
Yeah, you know, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. It's just, you know, and then we lose players all the time due to the opposite too, right? Like they want to go to a different market or whatnot too. So, yeah, it's hard to compete with that. But, um, you know, as far as the Huberto thing, we, we got to do something with this guy, man. Like we got to put him on the point on the power player, change him the center. We got to do something. We can't let him keep rotting like this. This is This is getting beyond painful to watch. They need to do something, give him a new assignment, uh, something to learn, do something to change his life where, you know, he's he's got a new, you know, a, a new challenge of some sort to relearn hockey or do something because this is getting painful. And um, I'm with you on the Markstrom front. I think he's been one of our better players this year. And you know what? Look at uh, Vasilevsky last year. Look at his numbers. He was down too. Everyone's down, you know. Um, and like you said earlier, you know, goalies' numbers are down in general. So, you know, yeah, I don't. And that's like not it. me trying to make excuses for anything. No, I just, no, no. I, I don't. I, I, I think it's. I think it's just downright silly almost to pin this loss on one guy and, and have that one guy be the goaltender. Like, did the other goalie make more saves? And do you, if like, if you're to say who's the best goalie in this game, yes, you go Drieger, but that doesn't mean that Markstrom was the reason why they lost this game. No. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I get the whole talk around the first shot and this and that and the other thing, but at the end of the day, he's a really good goalie. And, and again, I'll, I'll say it again. Look at Vasilevsky's numbers last year. They were poor. Um, but we, we're not. They're not very good this year either. Yeah, they're not very good. So are we saying that he's uh, not a very good goalie either? I don't know. I'd take him on my team any day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's all I got, buddy. I, I hope you uh, have a good new year if I don't talk to you before then. And have a good rest of your show, okay, sir? Thanks, Pars. Appreciate it, man. As uh, we continue along on our Flames Talk postgame show this evening as the Flames fall by a 2-1 score to the Seattle Kraken. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Let's say hello to uh, Dave. What's going on? Dave, you're up next. Yeah, hi. Oh, everything's fine. I mean, of course it wasn't a goalie's fault. I mean, how can you blame a goalie when, you know, it's, you only score one goal? You know, it's, you know that's like you're not yeah. going to win too many. Anyway, so realistically, yeah, uh, and I mean, again, the the other the other goalie was was good, and and Chris Drieger was was one of the best players in this game. But again, I, I just sometimes I I find it strange where it is instantly pointing at the, and it it seems to be Markstrom more than anybody else. It's like instantly pointing up, oh, this is Markstrom's fault, uh, and I'm like, really, like a breakaway that that's the one. Oh, is the first shot? Yeah, I'm aware of that, but I mean, the Flames only scored once tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, and realistically, the Flames are like a three or four goal game. And that's about it with the talent they got right now. So realistically, how many players do you figure they're going to lose at the end of this season? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that there's a pretty decent chance that they, if you want to say, um, lose, I, I think they'll, they'll trade two or three well, guys yeah, between the, the more, between now and the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would say, I would say at least three, I think at least three will, will not be here to start next season that are on the roster right now. Yeah. So Lynn Holman, who else? Then? Uh, 
you know, I, I think the four that come to mind are Lindholm, Hannafin, Tanev, and and Vladar would be the the fourth. And I think three of those four will be elsewhere, if not all four. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you know, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, wait till the end of the season, try to trade Bernard to Edmonton, see what they can get, because they definitely need the goaltending. I don't, I don't hate to give anybody to Edmonton, but you know. And and with the Lindholm thing, I mean, I mean, I go way, way back, like hockey, a million years practically. With the the Lindholm situation, I mean, look at when the Canadians are great. If you took away uh, Lafleur and Shut, what would Lemaire have been? You know, Lindholm. You just, you know, if you don't have the talent, one guy can't do everything. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's definitely something to that from an offensive standpoint. In the last two off seasons, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and then Tyler Toffoli, who have been his regular line mates. Obviously, Kachuk and, and Gaudreau for the one season, and then last year, Toffoli was his line mate basically all year. All three of those guys have been traded or have left in the last two off seasons. That's you know, that's that's something that is going to take a toll and and I think it is taking a toll and I don't think Lindholm has found anywhere near the same type of chemistry with anybody on this roster that he had with Toffoli or obviously Gaudreau and Kachuk I mean I don't, I don't know how long it will be it, you know I assume they're going to trade him before they treat free trade things there but who are the uh the two best wingers that they could probably have on a farm team you think they would be wise to try to uh, put those two guys who went home to see what he could do. Like you mean from the Wranglers and and recall yeah. recall them? I mean, I I don't yeah, know. I think right now it would be worth trying. I, I think right now they've with with Sharon Govich they've got a they've got a pretty good they've got a pretty thing going with Sharon go Sharon Govich on that line. Um, and you know Manjapani has been okay at times but has also looked lost at times on that line so i think they've got one i don't know if the wranglers is is the way that i would be looking right now dave oh i mean just maybe just like a, a, you know a 10 game experiment or something just to see how it would work i mean what do you got to lose i'd, I'd try some guys on the nhl roster first i don't know if there's anybody outside of coronado i guess uh, that you could give that a try give that a try with uh I just I do think that I do think that Lindholm is still doing some really good things in the two way game and some really good things defensively. I'd be curious oh, yeah, what yeah. it would look like if they put Huberdeau back with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. I'd be curious what it would look like with some other potential names there. So we'll see, Dave. Yeah, I mean personally, I, I really don't think that there's many players on the Flames. I don't think there's really any players on the Flames that on the Flames that aren't trying their best. Under the circumstances. No, I, I don't I don't think that this is a a work ethic or a compete level or a try thing at all. I really don't. I think that they, I, I think that they come to work and they, they bring it pretty consistently on a nightly basis right now. Yeah. Well that's all I have to say. But you know, like I said, you know, I mean they're, right, they're Dave. gonna be fine a year or two when all their future talent matures. There's, there's no doubt about that in my mind. All right, Dave. Well, I appreciate the call, man. Be well, hey? Bye-bye. 
See you, Dave. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Anand before we go back inside the Flames locker room. The phone lines are still open. If you're on hold, make sure you stay there, but you can continue to call at 403-240-4444 as the Flames fall 2-1 to Seattle on this Wednesday night. Anand is up next. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Yeah, I was at the dome tonight watching the game. Yeah, definitely a tough one. My record this season, if you can't pre-season at the game, uh, goes to 0-2-1. Two, two so two losses, one overtime point. But uh, that's okay, I guess. Um, they fought hard, definitely. Uh, Lindholm didn't have the best game of the night. Uh, so that is something to consider. And then uh, that line, Zari, Kadri, possible, still, they still look great. I think they could have put a little bit more offensively, uh, definitely for the game. But, uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, one question for you. Uh, did you see the two uh, calls that were not called? So one was uh, when Martin Pospisil got hit down, he got punched deliberately, and they didn't call one, uh, that one. And then uh, I think it was Rasmus Anderson that got boarded into. I mean, they could they have yeah they probably I mean miss miss calls happen every night I I mean the yeah. Flames ended up with four power plays tonight I I didn't think that I I didn't come away from this game feeling like officiating was a was a real factor That's just me though Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and uh, even the mushroom looked. Uh, uh, like let in the first shot, he looked uh, fantastic as well. Yeah, hopefully we can string, uh, string together some wins coming onwards. Um, yeah, but definitely you've been saying uh, they, their work ethic has been improving and they have uh, tried, uh, but uh, yeah, no, uh, they're not converting those opportunities. All right, yeah, thanks, Pat, uh, for the chat. I just want to also mention I was at the Circle K Classic Tournament today doing color commentary and PA announcing and I so so I saw a lot of hockey today and one game was really intense with a lot of penalties so that was fun as well. Uh enjoy uh enjoy the rest of the Circle K classic, hey and uh we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you on uh, Sunday, yeah. If not if I don't talk to you then happy new year and all the best to you. Thank you so much. You as well and be well brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, have a good night. You too, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Call now if you want to chat. Text line remains open at 960-960 as the Flames fall 2-1 to Seattle on this Wednesday night. Let's head back inside the Flames locker room. Nazem Kadri scored the only goal in this game tonight, and he spoke post-game following a one-goal setback. What's your uh, assessment of that game? Um... Tough to lose. Uh, don't think we gave up a whole lot. Had some good opportunities. Just, uh, you know, couldn't find that extra goal. What role was uh, their goaltender when you have that many shots? Is it kind of uh, mm-hmm. do you tip your hat to them, or is it execution on your side, or how do you see it? Um, I mean, a little bit of both. Right? I think, uh, you know, you try to bear down in those situations. Of course, we want to score, and we want to capitalize on those opportunities. But at the same time, we made some uh, great saves, timely saves to keep uh, – keep his team in it on the road and you know we uh we, we certainly pushed what's uh what you have to do to score more at five on five um i don't know probably shoot more i mean 
Uh, do we not have a lot of five and five goals? I don't if know. What you're nineteenth in the league. I don't know what the statistic it's been a is. Struggle of late. So um, yeah, I mean, just try to try to get greasy. That's really what happens when uh, when when you're uh, having trouble scoring goals. You got to get to the blue paint. Hopefully, bang one in, uh, tip one in, find some loose change, and uh, you know, I guess we got to do a better job at that. I think Michael said that you, it seemed like you guys were maybe trying to be a little too fancy tonight. Did you mm-hmm. feel that way too, or? Not necessarily. I think uh, at times we were certainly a little bit sloppy and we could definitely cl- clean it up. Um, you know, that's just we want to set ourselves to a high standard and that uh, at times it certainly wasn't good enough, but other times there were. We made some great plays and had some great looks, but uh, you just got to you gotta try to find a way. You yeah, mentioned the sloppy. Is that just a matter of maybe being off for a few days or, or do you credit that? Or mm-hmm. what's that? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really like to, you know, look for excuses really. I mean, I think that's an excuse to me and um, you know, could it have a part to do with it? I mean, sure, it might have. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we're pretty good players and we can execute at a high level, and that's what we expect from ourselves. We've talked to you guys after games where you guys have been frustrated with your performance. We've talked to you after losses where you said, look, we played pretty well, it didn't go our way. From the press box, like, you guys certainly seemed like you were in that game the whole way. You guys were competing. Is it one? Does that make it sort of easier to move on pretty quick? Mm-hmm. Like, what conclusions yeah. can you really take? So. For sure. I mean, I think there's some, some, a lot of positives, and certainly things we, we want to clean up. Uh, like I mentioned, we want to continue to push that standard and um, not be okay with uh, you know being mediocre. So, of course, to us, I think we, uh, you know, we, we can give a little bit, uh, a little bit better. But you know, I mean, what were the shots tonight? Like they were yeah, pretty lopsided. By a long way. Yeah. yeah, I mean. A lot of those are good looks, and, and there were some good saves, and I didn't feel like we gave up a ton uh, today, but, you know, they were opportunistic, capitalized on a pretty nice shot, and uh, that was the difference. You seemed pretty fired up uh, after you scored. Was it because it was a power play goal, because it was greasy, or just because it was... It's because it was a goal. <laughs> uh, I think I enjoy scoring. I mean, I think uh, it's nice to show that emotion to kind of, um, you know, give the group a little, little energy, and... Uh, yeah, of course, you know, we want to get our power play going, and I think really at times we, our power play looked really good tonight, and it's uh, you know, a lot to build off and certainly moving in the right direction. It's three straight games with a power play goal for you guys. Mm-hmm. Is there something different in your execution? I mean, obviously you guys are getting goals, but yeah. what are you guys doing differently that's leading to this success? It's just the momentum thing. I mean, that's that's really how special teams work. Like when you're, when you're in a rut, you feel like, uh, you know, the, the snowball just keeps building and building, and... You know, when you're scoring goals, you feel like you can go out there and you got a chance to score every every single power play unit. So, uh, it's you know, special teams is a funny thing, but you know, certainly I think we've uh, mentally, you know, kind of fought that off, and we've done a lot of work behind the scenes to to improve ourselves, and you know, it's good to see uh, those results. That is Nazem Kadri postgame following tonight's 2-1 loss to Seattle. Megan Mickelson already named Nazem tonight's hardest-working flame. It's time to select tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. And I'm going with his line mate. I thought that uh, Martin Pospisil had one of his better games in quite some time. Uh, Pospisil had himself a really effective night, and he only played the 11 minutes and 10 seconds. So in that 11-10, Pospisil had two, two shots and four attempts, four hits. Uh, He was credited with one takeaway. Pospisil, of those four attempts, had one high-danger scoring chance in there as well. I thought that Pospisil and Kadri were kind of the... And not to say... 
Zary didn't have a good game. I just thought Zary was maybe a little more off it than he typically is, but was still just fine. That line was Calgary's best line all night. Kadri was uh, the driver down the middle. I thought Pospisil brought it with the uh, defensive side of things. I'm going Martin Pospisil as tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. Is your final score here at the Dome? Flames fall 2-1-2 Seattle. We're well underway on your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Let's hear from Noah Hannafin. He spoke following tonight's 2-1 loss to Seattle. You know, a game like that, what is the takeaway from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, it was a, obviously it was a tight game tonight, and um, uh, there in the third period, it was a tight third, and we had a lot of a lot of looks there, but just couldn't capitalize and, and couldn't get in the back of the net. But um, you know, two-one game. You know, I think uh, there's some some things we can build off of that. So um, unfortunate to not get the two points, but you know, there's some things we can we can learn from it. Yeah, it wasn't a long break, but uh, were there any adjustments that had to be made for I don't know, getting yourself up to speed or just the way you wanted to play, or is that just? Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you have three days off, you know, you want to get your legs going. But I, I thought, honestly, for the most part, that we had a pretty good first period. You know, there was, you know, for being off for three days, there was, uh, there was some chances it was close first. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, say that had too big of a factor in the game. Well, what's preventing this team from maybe scoring more at five on five? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think like tonight, you know, we just, uh, you know, it wasn't like there weren't any looks for us tonight. You know, there's a there's a lot of uh, rebounds and some chances around there, especially there in the third period. Just uh, we didn't get that puck luck tonight, so that'll turn for us. Is it, is it one where there aren't necessarily a ton of lessons to take from it? Like as you're saying, I mean, you guys were you guys had your chances. Mm-hmm. So, you, know, you guys were right there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know we have obviously three days you know in between games here, so there's gonna be we'll probably take some time just to review it and see what things we can clean up on. And um, yeah, that's that's what I'd say. Yeah. That is Noah Hannafin postgame following tonight's 2-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken. Back to the text line at 969-60 in just a second. Back to the phone lines in just a second as well. But first, it's time to look ahead. Looking ahead is brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Flames, Sunday, New Year's Eve against the Philadelphia Flyers. That is a 6 o'clock face-off on Sportsnet West. Flames went 1-1 against Philadelphia last season. Uh, They took a 5-2 win on the road in November of last season. Then they uh, fell 4-3 at the Saddledome in February. So split the season series last year. Overall, Calgary's been pretty successful in this head-to-head matchup of late. 6-1-1 in the last eight head-to-head meetings that dates back to the 2018-19 season so they'll try to continue that success against Philadelphia on Sunday night that'll wrap up a quick two-game homestand then the Flames hit the road next week for a four-gamer it starts next Tuesday in Minnesota 
That's a huge game. And then next Thursday in Nashville, that's a huge game. A few of the teams that the Flames are chasing in this wild card conversation they've got on this road trip. But first up is Philadelphia at home for New Year's Eve on Sunday. Once again, that's a 6 o'clock face-off. And we'll be on the air at 5 o'clock Sunday with your Calgary Flames warm-up. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's get back to the text line for the final time tonight and jump in. Lots of text still to get to this evening. Um, Let's start uh, with this one. Where are we going here? Uh, this from Will, who says, What do you think about trying Huberto, Dubé, and Manjapani on a line? All three are struggling, but I think all three are good players. Worst case, they continue to struggle, but maybe there's a chance they find something. Yeah, I mean, at this point, a lot of things I would consider trying for sure. Only thing there is then what are you doing with Dewar and Greer or Greer and Ruzichka? That would be the only question I have on that one. I guess what I'd tell you right now is that knowing how Jonathan just nothing is working for him and nothing seems to be going his way, knowing that that is the case right now, I would try anything line combination wise, or I would like, I would not scoff at anything line combination wise. So, um, yeah, sure. Consider that one too. Well, for sure. Uh, Craig and Copperfield says Markstrom kept him in the game as much as he could. Um, Hannafin's pretty much at fault for the first. That said, a lot of passing, even some movement, which was good to see. I'm going to say this for the uh, hard of hearing. They need snipers. Time for Conroy to start working his job, uh, not have the job, work him. He had plenty of years under Treliving to get it figured out. This middle-of-the-road crap is so overplayed in Calgary. Well, the one thing I would say on the Conroy front and, and getting to work is that I do think that we're going to see what Craig Conroy's work is all about as we move towards the trade deadline. And as we move towards the trade deadline, we'll have a much better idea as to the initial stamp he's going to put on the organization. Craig was left with a lot of contracts and was left with a lot of vestiges of some some things that were left over from Brad Tree Living. Good, bad, otherwise. And so he's got to make some he's got to make some decisions. And you know, the UFAs give him a very unique opportunity and that opportunity could be to put his stamp on this team and this roster. And and I honestly think he's going to. I think we are going to see those guys dealt, and I think you're going to see those guys dealt for pretty good future-type returns. So, yeah, that, that's – I think what Craig Conroy wants is to not be middle of the road either. I, he wants – he wants to build this team into a higher-end, more competitive group. And so it's only a few months into the tenure. I guess what I'd say is let's see how it plays out with this really good opportunity he's got. 
with the pending UFAs in front of them. Um, this says from Jenny in Highwood. Uh, Jenny from Highwood, first-time texter. Would love to hear your take on Pospisil's role in tonight's game, drawing a penalty, bringing some emotion from the Kraken. Follow-up question is, do you think he has the potential to develop into a Kachuk-type player, one who fires up the crowd and the team while continues to deliver at a high level? Um, well, what I would say on that, Jenny, thanks for the text, appreciate it. I, th- what I would say on that, I don't think that Pospisil is the type of guy that is going to put up numbers at this level or really any level like Matthew did. I think there's some skill there. I think there's some finish there. But Matthew Kachuk is is at a different level in terms of of the skill. But where I do think there is something to be said about what Pospisil can bring to the table is, yeah, he does do a good job getting under the under the skin of the opposition and, and does it in a different way than Matthew Kachuk did. You know, Matthew did it kind of, and I, I, I don't say this in a derogatory way. I say this in the most... Um, complimentary way you can. He did it in a very smarmy nature, right? Like he was always yapping. He was doing things after the whistle. Um, he he was a guy that you you hated because of those kinds of things. Well, you know, Pospisil's the guy who does it because he walks the edge and he takes liberties. Liberties the wrong word, but you know, he'll finish a check on a player that the unwritten rule says that a rookie NHLer shouldn't be finishing his check on, or a, a a guy at this level on the depth chart shouldn't be finishing his check on that level on the depth chart, and he'll do that type of stuff, and and so. I think he is a guy that you will continue to see get under the skin of the opposition. And the, because he plays so on the edge, I think that's something that is going to be a very um, – I think that's going to be a, a, a very constant part of what he brings to the table. So, yeah, to answer your question, Jenny, I, I think that he, he did play a huge part in tonight's game, thought he was really good. That's why I, I personally went with him as the uh, the player with heart in this game tonight. This one from Mick, who says the guys that want to stay are generally drafted and developed and not from the U.S. That's why the focus needs to be on drafting and developing players. Calgary isn't Vegas. Offer Huberto and whatever it takes for Timo Meyer. That comes from Mick. That's a good point. Like, I'm not Mick and I used to not see anywhere close to eye to eye, and and I think that he would have um, thrown a coffee on me if he would have seen me in the street. Now Mick and I are on the same page all the time. It's very strange. It's just a, it's an example of how people can get to a better place. Um, and and Mick, I I think that's a good point about yeah, drafted and developed guys. And and look, Kachuk and Gaudreau were drafted and developed guys, and Johnny almost signed back here. That 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 was like I, I don't think Johnny was like get me out of Calgary. It just it didn't end up working out. Okay, Matthew Kachuk drafted and developed. He did decide he wasn't going to stay. Although you know when they didn't sign like when they they signed him to his second contract, um, he he would have signed for longer, but they only signed him for the three because they wanted to keep the cap hit down with the way things were at that point. Fair enough, and and that's. All fair and good, but I think Mick makes a good point that drafted and developed players typically do have more of a emotional connection to the team that drafted them, um, and that's why I think you know a guy like Rasmus Anderson, a guy like Michael Backlund, a guy like Connor Zary down the road, 
I think these are guys that you'll point to and say, yeah, they're probably guys who who do feel a little more loyalty. You know, maybe it's Dustin Wolf or or other play. I, I think that there maybe is a little bit more loyalty there, and and that's why, yes, absolutely. As this team is sitting at the crossroads they're at right now, the onus and the priority on drafting and developing is huge. As for the the Timo Meyer Jonathan Huberdeau thing, um, yeah, it's it's a conversation. It, it's something that could work. I'm, I just don't know how open New Jersey would be to doing that at this point. But it's definitely an interesting conversation uh, to to have about what you could do to potentially fix things on the Huberdeau front. Um, this says, I agree, Pat. Mangiapane and Huberdeau both invisible right now. Time to reunite Mange with Bax and Coleman. Huberdeau needs to play with Lindholm and Sharon Govich or Kadri and Zeri. Also, Markstrom is not the issue. This is almost comical how the fan base is looking at him. That's from Jeremy in Regina. And I, 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 I have scratched my head tonight on the instant blaming Markstrom just because he let in a first-shot goal. And a little bit different when that first shot goal is a clear-cut breakaway because of, of some other lapses at the other end of the ice, in my opinion, anyway. Um, this says, from Brenda, pretty pathetic when you have to give a $10 million guy credit for making a couple of nice passes each period. Can't hang this on the goalie. They scored one goal for pity's sake. Um, this says, uh, thought the Flames carried the play for the majority of the game, just needed to find a way to bury their chances. Flames need to be better at getting more traffic towards the net and getting to the middle of the ice. Things to clean up, but I didn't mind the effort. Uh, the officials missed a call late in the third when Zeri was being held down. Don't know how they missed it, and at a crucial part of the game. My one question for you, Pat, would you consider elevating Huberto with Kadri or Lindholm? I thought he had some jump tonight, and I think he'd benefit from from playing with some guys with more skill and finish. I saw a shift where Huberto played with Kadri and Zeri in the first after a penalty kill and liked how that looked. With the way Kadri's playing, I think there might be something to putting him on that line. Nathan, I'm all for that. Really am. And, and I, I saw that shift as well. And I thought to myself, oh boy, that looked pretty good with Huberto out there with Kadri and Zeri. So yes, I absolutely would 100% give that a try at some point. I also would have no problem if they put him with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. I do think now is a good time to move him off the backland line because I also think Manjapani on the backland line would go a long way to, to maybe helping Manjapani as well. So We'll see what the Flames do come practice on on Thursday morning. Uh, this from Sam says, Hope you had a great Christmas while the plot thickens. A Flames loss. Kraken, Coyotes, Blues, Wild. Who the writing seems on the wall. Uh, we can begin to pull, maybe they can begin to pull the trigger on a retool or an attempt to play catch up for the rest of the way only to miss by a handful of points. What is, what is it going to take to get Manjapani and Dubé going? I don't recall them being this invisible during their Flames tenure, plus they're one game away from Huberdo going an entire calendar month without registering a point. I really hope in 2024 he can slowly pull himself out of this funk. That comes from Sam. I do apologize for my voice, by the way. I'm 
doing as best as I can with it. Um, this reads from Dan and Milk River. Back at it after a well-deserved break. Great post-game as always. Just my two cents tonight. The time for we'll get them next time, and they played well enough to win are done. If they're serious about the postseason, they have to beat the teams they should beat and put the pedal down hard against the teams that they shouldn't have a struggle getting up for. A lot more finish on grade A scoring chances would help too. Saying playing such and such a team will be good uh, good test for us is ridiculous. What are we waiting for? They have to win, period. Hope it was a great Christmas with family and all the best in 2024. That comes from Dan in Milk River. Um... This from Brad and Bridgeland. The story of the game was not being able to capitalize on opportunities. I feel like they played pretty well aside from having no finish. Power play was more dangerous, and they were able to generate some decent chances. Overall, was honestly a pretty sleepy game. Let's regroup and finish the year strong. There you go. That's the text line at 960-960 on this Wednesday night, and we get to the phone lines. Three more calls before we wrap up on our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course live right here on Sportsnet 9. 60 the fan 2-1 final flames fall to the seattle kraken let's say hello to robert on the phone lines what's up robert hi patty just wanted to call you just as happy hello, new sir. year to you i hope everything's fine patty. you as well pal happy new year and i hope you're doing all right my friend yes 2024 yes it's going to be better what's that song by mark kinchin there and better you know that song better by Mark Kitchen. Like, I can't remember a guy who does that song now, but it's a good song. Patty, okay. Uh, winners celebrate, losers explain. Winners celebrate, losers explain. So tonight I'm going to give okay. my my Merry Christmas and my Happy New Year to Murray Edwards. It's my take. Mr. Edwards. No, not Mr. Edwards. You don't get my respect. You have a lot of money. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thanks for Troy Brower. Thanks for for James Neal. Thanks for Huberto. Thanks for losing Kachuk. Thanks for losing Johnny. Thanks to making a shamble of this franchise. You're the ownership. You could have done a lot of things. You could have vetoed trade. You could have done happen. You didn't. You make money. You're a smart man making money. You have no IQ for hockey. You have nothing in hockey. You don't even deserve to be an owner. You're an owner because you make still a profit. You don't care about winning. You never have. Never will. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. And Happy New Year in Switzerland. I'll send you Linder chocolate. Now, I actually agree with Mickelson and Wills tonight. We're trending. Yes, we are trending the right way. We're trending. We have to be. We, we, we should have been a long time ago, right to the bottom. So we can start drafting, taking high, developing. Yes, we are trending. We're trending in the right way, finally. 
playing good enough by good enough to lose, to get where we have to be, to one day maybe see another Stanley Cup. Yes. Third point, Patty, I've got a couple of questions for you. Sure. Give me a reason we should keep Markstrom and not trade him. Um, I mean, the the first reason I would say would be his his no movement clause. Okay. Yes. But realistically, but to your to, to your team, point. Yep. If they're if they're gonna go if they're gonna go in a different direction, mm-hmm. I think having the conversation with Jacob about his future makes sense. I don't. Patty, no, no player on this team is an untouchable. Anybody who cares about any of these players, you got to listen. To me, Markstrom should be traded. Lindholm and Anifin, all three of them. The quicker, the better. We don't need to keep Markstrom here. For what? To try and get in the yeah, water? And, and I, I, I'm kind of like... If you're going to, if you're going to go yep. in a different direction, and if you're, if if they're going to go younger, I think going to Jacob and saying, "Hey, this is where we're going. How would you feel about uh, a change of of scenery?" I think he'd be open to it because I think he is driven by one thing and one thing only, and that's winning. So yeah, I, I think, and then and then you you start exploring that, and and I think it's a. I, I would be. I, I don't think it's out of the question in season, especially because those New Jersey rumblings just keep continuing. Um, yeah. But it, it feels more like an off-season thing. But I think it is something absolutely that they should be looking at doing. And I, I don't think it would be off the table for them at all. Yeah, Patty, you. You know how tough it is for me? I vet the tough face, love to win, hate, hate to lose on your show. But, Patty, it has to be this way. It has to be this way, Patty, once and for all. It has to be this way. You know, Patty, I heard a couple at the game tonight, I almost got in a little skirmish with a couple uh, people who think they know hockey. They bought up the Los Angeles King model of building around Kopitar with some young players. He was referring to Uberdo and Lindum. Trying to put Uberdo and Lindum in Anzi Kopitar's class, right there the conversation stopped because they were talking nonsense. So I don't even talk, I don't even go there. Because when you're trying a big Yali King model with Anzi Kopitar and Dowdy, with Lindum, in, in that way to try and retool on the fly is the most ludicrous statement and it tells me you don't know nothing about hockey. I'm talking about the people who brought up that comment. Anyway, before I go, Pat, oh, I forgot. I forgot one more thing, Mr. Edwards. Pay the man. Pay, pay Uber, though. It's the end of the year, tax season next year. Pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him for eight years. I'm not going to even help you how to get them going to figure out. Just pay the man. Pay the man. You signed up, pay the man. 
Because if you were, if you would have wanted something different, you would have vetoed that trade. We would have kept Johnny and Kachuk. All the organization, but you and Trey Levy put this franchise on this disc. Bring Sutter back. All these knee-jerk moves you made. Now, there's no going back. Hubert will never be the one he was. So what you have to do is pay the man. Pay the man. New tax season 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28. Pay the man. Happy New Year, Seinberg. You're the best. And uh, all the listeners, happy New Year, boys. And don't worry. We will see a Sunday Cup. We're going to draft, develop, get some high picks, and one day we'll be a contender. Bye, boys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Robert. Good to hear from you, pal. Happy New Year to you as well. Let's uh, check in with Ken following a 2-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken. What's up, Ken? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Not so bad. Um, I don't know. A few thoughts that I have is it's it's not a Marston problem. It's not a Hanovan problem. It's not a Lindholm problem. It's our $10 million problem. And I don't know what we got to do, whether it's see if we can eat some of the contracts and trade them. I really do not want to end up like the Oilers and have a guy on our roster for the next, what is it, if we buy him out 16 years or 12 years, whatever it is. I don't, I don't want that problem either. And again, I get it. He's to me, he's almost like the uh, uh, Lucic as far as is he worth ten million dollars? No. Is he absolutely horrible and shouldn't be in the league? No. So where do you find that balance, right? Like, I don't know. And right. then when it comes to. Uh, players as far as who do we sign who do we not sign if we're not going to rebuild we're in the retool what's Hannafin 23 24 years old sign him to that seven-year eight-year contract he's 27 in a few weeks he's 27 in a few weeks okay so let's sign him to the seven-year he's 35 could still be productive help us in that en- in that end if not yeah let's get him out keep Tanif kind of, kind of, uh, as our kind of last hope again like I say I don't think Lindholm is our problem do I want to sign him to another Huberdo or Caudry contract no I don't I don't want to see that on our books either but if we can make it work as far as years and number uh, I don't I don't see it getting rid of them. But like you say, if if the three of them decide that Calgary's not where they want to be, they don't want to be here, they're not willing to sign at a contract as far as money-wise or year-wise, yeah, okay, get rid of them. Let's see what we can get for picks. But at the end of the day, like I look at guys like Conroy, McDonald, Vernon. I, I know Vernon went away, um, but that was more – a different that was a different era different money and everything else 
but I want guys that want to be here in Calgary. At the end of the day, right? you guys go, and I get it, if you're from Sweden, Finland, wherever, you go home during the summer to visit family and everything else. But who wants to make roots here in Calgary? Those are the guys that I want to sign. Those are the guys that I'm willing to make a long-term contract to because at the end of the day, they're not just putting, you know, they're not just signing a piece of paper to take a contract. They're also making a commitment to the city, to the um, different organizations as far as, you know, uh, like look at uh, Giordano. Even though he's gone, he, he his legacy continues on here in the city. Guys like that are who you want to build your franchise around. Guys that have a commitment to the city, to the team, that's who you build your con- your your long-term team around. Right. And uh, I don't know. I just, uh, again, tonight, okay, so Markstrom gives up the first shot. Is Markstrom the problem? No. It's it's like in Edmonton. Do we, do we blame the last 10 years on goaltenders? No. The fact that they have absolutely no defense, they have a bunch of forwards that all they think about is offense, and then they wonder, up, wonder why they give up 10 goals. Well, yeah, it's great that you guys can score eight. But if you have no commitment to defense, yeah, it is what it is. Same thing here in Calgary. If we've got a bunch of guys like, you know, Huberdo, whoever, that all they want to do is go one way and they're not willing to come back, help out the defense, make it so that instead of trying to make a, you know, 60-foot pass, it's a 20-foot pass to another 20-foot pass and up the board or up the zone, you know, we can't put it on the on the goaltender. When we score one goal, we can't put it on Markstrom. Fair enough. And all right, Ken. Well, I appreciate the call tonight. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Well, thank you. No, well, I was just going to say. No, I was, I was sorry. I, and, yeah, yeah I, I'm sorry. I, like you say, I just you know, like as far as Murray Edwards, is he the problem? I mean, yeah, I guess he has the final say, but do we want Jerry Jones or Mark Cuban type ownership where they're always getting in the way of signing people and they're they're the like do we want guys that are the focus of the team or do we want the team to be the focus? Like Well, I, uh, I and David, I, I sorry, Ken, I, I appreciate where my round kind of ends, but <laughs> okay. Well, no, I appreciate the call tonight, Ken. Ken, you have yourself a great night. You too. Thank you. Have a merry. Well, sorry. Hope you had a happy merry happy. or ha- had a yeah. merry Christmas, and I hope you have a happy New Year. Thank you, man. You as well. I appreciate it. Ken, be well. You too. Take care. Uh, part of what uh, part of the disconnect is for whatever reason. Sometimes we got a strange delay down here at the Saddle Dome. Then you throw in a cell phone delay, and it can be a little disjointed sometimes. So that's uh, that's sometimes what you're hearing on the disjointedness of calls. Our uh, final call tonight is Brett. What's going on, Brett? Oh, not too much. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, just a couple questions for you. I know it's getting late. Sure. You probably want to go home. Yeah, go for it. Um, 
what's the timeline for Jacob Pelche coming back from that injury? I think that we're probably talking about sometime in January as realistic and also, you know, that's it's almost the end of December. But uh, I, I think that's kind of your realistic and, and earliest timeline is sometime in January. You see him back practice with the team a little while, get some practices in, and then go from there to maybe getting a conditioning stint in in the American League. And, and then maybe coming back. So I think, you know, January, February seems like a, a, a decent time frame for when we might be able to see him back. Okay. When he comes back, where do you see him slotting in? I don't know. That's a very fair but difficult question to answer, and I, I do not know the answer to it right now. Because, and, and I'll, um, I'll cop out on this one, but... I don't know who's going to be here and who's not going to be here when he comes back. Honestly, if it was right, I, I won't cop out on you. Um, if it was right now, I don't even know what I would do because I'm I'm thinking about changing up some lines as it is right now. So I don't even know what I would do right now, to be perfectly honest with you. I would get him in for sure. I just don't know off the top of my head exactly where I would put him in this lineup. I, I, I would definitely find a place for him. Just I got to rework some of these lines in my head anyway because I think it might be time to, to juggle things up a little bit. Well, that leads me to my next question with the Hub- yeah. with Huberdeau. Uh, I listened to the morning show all the time, and George Resick, he was banging on the drum to put him with Backlund and uh, who was he with? Uh, Coleman, 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 the yep. fi- the fixer people, right? But uh, twelve point, uh, he's been what is it? Twelve games, no points. That's pretty bad. They got to shake it up. Yeah, and I I think I understand where George is coming from, and I don't even disagree with him um, because even last year I thought that um, Huberto played all right with those two guys. So. Um, I, I understand the, the premise, and I think it was the right move to do it at the time, but I kind of feel like it might have run its course here, and it might be time to try something else when it comes to a fit for Huberto. So I I think for me, if if I were making the call, which as we know I'm not, but if I were, I'd be putting them with Kadri and Zeri and seeing if you can't build something there. If they don't want to do that, then trying them with Sharon Govich and Lindholm is an idea. At some point, I do think putting them with Pelche is something they'll try because they seem to have a decent dynamic together last year. So all of those things, I think, are, are on the table when it comes to Huberto. they got to try something because it's, it's not working. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, why do you think Huska hasn't changed the lines, like tried to get Hubro with someone else? I know they tried in the past with Kadri and it didn't work. Put him with Lindholm, it didn't work. Well, I think I think the big reason, Brett, is because they were they were winning some games there. They were playing some pretty good hockey, and and they had seemed to find something. You know, November was much better for them. Uh, they were on a five game point streak there prior to the LA game. So I, I think that's why we haven't seen a whole lot of change with lines. But now they've lost two straight, and and you know, all of a sudden, the the 
now the Huberto thing is starting to become a little bit more of an issue when you're talking about no points in a calendar month and one more game in that calendar month. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's why they hadn't done anything and they they hadn't made any swaps because, you know, they the, the backland line's still been an effective line even though Huberto's not scoring. The Kadri line's been great. So you found some things there, and they were also getting some results. But feels like now would be an interesting and, and decent time maybe to look at some other things. It would be because... I agree with you. Like trading him is almost impossible at this moment. Like you're going to have to give up multiple picks, first rounders. You're going to have to sweeten the pot, right? I don't think it's going to happen. Probably, probably not anytime soon. That seems like it would be an off season move if, if they were going to do it. Yeah. And, and would seem like a really difficult one to pull off. Oh, very difficult. I got one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, when do you think we see Wolf again? Is it another injury, or do you think they're going to try and work him in? I I think the the first the first chance to see him I think would be if it was injury involved in, in the immediacy. Um, but I do think that they're also looking at you know, trade options with their goaltenders. So, you know, I, I think there are four main pieces for me, Brett, that I think are, are focuses for the trade conversation right now. Obviously, the three pending UFAs in Hannafin, Tanev, and Lindholm, and then Dan Fladar is that fourth name for me that I am really focused on in terms of a, a potential player to move uh, between now and the trade deadline. I, I do think they'll try to move Dan Vladar. I, I do think they'll try to open up Dustin Wolf for for some more games this season and also to have that space open for him next season. So when do we see him next? I, I think that it's probably injury or illness related in, in terms of like when his next immediate action is going to be before a trade but i do think they're going to be working and and have been working at trying to find some options to to open up some room for them do you think they can still get a second rounder for vladar or do you think it's going to be less than that if they trade him my guess would be it's it would be less than that i think if they could get a third rounder for him uh they they would probably be happy that's what they paid to bring him in so I think that would be, if he could get that, I think he'd probably do it. I don't know if that's feasible as things sit right now. I'd be surprised if, you know, they got us. Nothing is out of the question, you know, much crazier things that have happened, but I would be pretty shocked if, you know, right this instant they were able to get a a second-round pick for, for Vladar. Yeah, for sure. Well... Thank you very much for your time. Uh, you have a happy new year. Hopefully you had a good Christmas. Thank you, Brett. You as well, man. I really appreciate the call. Yeah, have a good one. Okay, you too. And uh, that will wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you very much for all of your calls. Um, and thank you very much for all of your texts. Uh, great stuff as always. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a uh, – 
Solid night on the phone line. Solid night on the text line as per usual. Time for tonight's final summary as we start to wrap things up on our Flames Talk post-game show. Uh, Seattle never trailed in this game. They opened the scoring at the 224 mark of the first period to make it 1-0. Kyler Yamamoto scores on a breakaway. His seventh of the year from Vince Dunn and Adam Larson, and Seattle took a 1-0 lead. Now, the Flames answer on the power play with a Nazem Kadri goal. Kadri gets his ninth of the year from Yegor Sharangovich at the 8.09 mark. Power play goal tied the game 1-1. That was your score after 20 minutes of play. No scoring in the second period, so off to the third period we go when the Kraken score exactly six minutes in to the final frame. Wicked shot from Alex Wenberg. He beats Jacob Markstrom with his fifth of the year. Wenberg from Jared McCann and Will Borgen, and that made it 2-1 C. Seattle Flames would push, had tons of zone time, tons of shots, but were unable to get that next goal, and Seattle closes out the 2-1 victory here at the Dome. That is your final score. Final shots were 37-21 in favor of the Flames. Calgary 1-4 for four on the power play tonight. Seattle 0-2 oh with the man advantage. Your three stars in the building. Number three, Alex Wenberg. Number two, Nazem Kadri. And with uh, 36 stops on 37 shots, former Hitman goaltender Chris Drieger in net for the Kraken. Your number one star this evening. With the loss, Flames fall to 14-16-5. They're back in action Sunday at home to fill Philadelphia, while Seattle improves to 13, 14, and 9. They're back in action Friday, also at home to Philadelphia. That will wrap us up on our uh, that'll wrap us up on our final summary, rather. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Matt Chikusko, for our reporter, Matty Rose, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That will wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available all Always on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, next up for the Flames, Sunday night, New Year's Eve against the Philadelphia Flyers, 6 o'clock face-off, which means we'll be on the air at 5 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Apologies for my voice. I've been fighting it all day, but... Made sure we got through it, uh, but I do apologize. It's been a little scratchy, so I know not always the most pleasant to listen to. So thanks for bearing with me. Uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. And the final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Flames fall 2-1 to the Seattle Kraken. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.